Welcome to this podcast episode of Narcissists in Divorce, The Narcissist Trap. I'm Dr. Supriya McKenna. I'm a former family doctor, but my life's true work is working with people who have fallen prey to narcissistic relationships of any kind. But I'm particularly busy in the area of divorce. Over the last few years, I've been very proud to become an Amazon best-selling author on the subject of narcissism, and my brand new book, Narcissists in Divorce, From Love Locked to Leaving, is out right now on Amazon. That's the first book in the Narcissists in Divorce series, and the follow-on to that will be out in the spring, and that's called Narcissists in Divorce, From Leaving to Liberty. And please do note that although I use the word divorce, these books are equally applicable to anyone leaving a serious intimate relationship with a narcissist, whether they are married or not. I also have a book out called The Narcissist Trap, The Mind-Bending Pull of the Great Pretenders. And that book might be useful in helping the people around you who are supporting you to understand more about what happened to you and about narcissism generally. I'm also the co-author with British divorce lawyer Karen Walker of Narcissism and Family Law, a practitioner's guide. And between us, Karen and I have trained thousands of family law professionals in narcissistic personality disorder, including judges, lawyers, mediators and social workers. For further narcissism resources from me, please do visit thelifedoctor.org or drsapria.com. And that web address has the doctor fully spelt out. Many people seem to be struggling with explaining what narcissism actually is to their loved ones, to their friends and their families. So I thought I'd put something together to try to help with that. Uh, So this is a sort of narcissism 101. So this is for you, the friends and families of those who are telling you that they've been in a narcissistic relationship so that you can understand what's been happening to them and support them. Now, if you don't know about narcissism, and you haven't experienced it yourself, it's really easy to dismiss it as not being real. And the problem is that you can actually make things worse for the victim of a narcissistic relationship by doing that. The word narcissism today is a buzzword, and people use it to mean anyone who's a bit mean or a bit vain or a bit selfish, um, anyone who wears designer clothes, anyone who takes a lot of selfies and posts them on Instagram. But in reality, using the word narcissist in this way actually undermines the seriousness of what true narcissism is because real narcissism is actually narcissistic personality disorder or NPD and that is a real diagnosable personality disorder as defined in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders which is known for short as the DSM-5. So that's my first point. Narcissism is actually a real thing. Now, so many times people will say to me, well, I don't believe in labelling people. I think it's wrong to do that. But the problem with that, I find, is that those same people often end up labelling the person anyway. You know, they might say, oh, they're not a narcissist, they're just an idiot or, you know, a bitch or, you know, much, much worse. Now, those rather unflattering terms are labels. They're just not the right label. And worse, they're actually quite judgmental. And the fact is this. Narcissistic personality disorder is not a judgmental label, not at all when it's used correctly. Because narcissistic personality disorder develops in babies and children in reaction to the way in which they were brought up. 
So people with NPD, narcissistic personality disorder, real narcissists, had an upbringing which was difficult, adverse in some way, and their brains became wired in a particular way so that they could cope with that upbringing. Narcissistic personality disorder is actually a personality adaptation that started in childhood, so there really is no judgment here. Another thing which I commonly hear is people saying, well, only professionals should be able to say whether someone is a narcissist or not. Amateurs should not be diagnosing it. Now, bear in mind that I was a GP, so I can tell you that in the normal situation, this is absolutely true, and making an amateur diagnosis can do a lot of harm. But unfortunately, in the case of narcissism, we have a bit of a problem here in the UK because the vast majority of psychologists, psychiatrists and other doctors are not trained in NPD. And the reason for this is that over here, health professionals are only trained in conditions that present to them for treatment. Now, narcissists simply don't go and see professionals like this to have their narcissism diagnosed. For starters, the vast majority of them are completely unaware of their disorder and believe that there is nothing wrong with them. And secondly, even if they were aware of it, they wouldn't necessarily see it as a bad thing because their narcissism actually allows them to exploit people for their own gain. It's not something that they would wish to change. In fact, they'd be more likely to see it as their superpower. And thirdly, there are no treatments for narcissism available on the NHS. And those psychotherapies that might have an effect take many years to make a difference and cost thousands. So realistically, unless you've got thousands of pounds to spend and a narcissist who's actually willing to be diagnosed, getting a professional diagnosis is basically a non-starter here in the UK. So I'm afraid it really does fall upon the victim of the narcissistic relationship to make the call. Now, the good news is that someone who has been in a relationship with a narcissist for years or even decades is the person who has seen all the typical narcissistic behaviours behind closed doors. Because narcissists have very set patterns of behaviours if you know what you're looking for. And realistically, the victim of narcissistic abuse is actually the person who is best placed to decide whether they are dealing with a narcissist or not. So if you are the friend or family member of someone who's telling you that their partner is a narcissist, please don't ask them to try to get a proper diagnosis because realistically this is just never going to happen except in the very rare instances that a diagnosis is ordered by a court. So what is NPD? Well, it's a condition of low empathy, with a sense of entitlement and an addiction to feeling special. And those three things, that low empathy and that sense of entitlement and the addiction to feeling special, lead the narcissist to behave in ways which are abusive towards other people and in order to exploit them for, for their own gain. Now, you might be thinking, but the person that my friend or relative is telling me is a narcissist seems really nice to me. They've always been fun or generous or kind um, as far as I can tell. How can they be a narcissist? Well, narcissistic abuse is always covert psychological abuse. There may also be a physical component, but it's always covert psychological abuse. And impression management is absolutely everything to a narcissist. So it's really no wonder that you find it hard to believe. So let me explain a bit further. All narcissists have low self-esteem 
as a result of the way in which they were brought up. This is actually what lies at the core of the condition, low self-esteem. But unless you know them well, you are very unlikely to see that. And in fact, you'd probably think the opposite is true, because actually they often come across as having quite an inflated sense of self-regard. Now, narcissists don't want to feel this low self-esteem. It feels horrible to have to feel it. So what they do is they create what's known as a false persona, a false image of themselves, which they put out to the world. And there are four main types of false persona, which I'll go into in a minute. But here's the point. They create this false persona, which they need other people to believe in so that they can believe in it themselves, so that they don't have to face their true feelings of shame and worthlessness and inadequacy and low self-esteem. So that image that they put out to the world is actually a defence. It's like an armour which stops them from having to feel bad about themselves. But here's the thing. They need to keep that armour up at all costs and they need the people around them including you, to believe in their false persona and actually to validate it, to give it external validation. And they get that external validation from adoration and attention when things are going well and drama and conflict and by instilling fear into others when things aren't going quite so well for them. So without that external validation, which has a name, by the way, it's called narcissistic supply, So without that external validation, without that narcissistic supply, their false persona crumbles and they feel those painful feelings that they were trying so hard to avoid. And then what happens very often is that they react with rage, narcissistic rage, to get the attention, to create the drama and to instill fear into those around them, which of course will boost that external validation, that narcissistic supply and make their armour, the armour of their false persona, whole and strong again. So basically, the narcissist in your friend or family member's life has been doing a very good job of fooling most people around them, possibly including you, with their utterly convincing false persona. So let's talk about what narcissists actually look like in real life, what these four false persona types look like, bearing in mind that some narcissists can actually morph between the types and will fall into more than one category. So the exhibitionist narcissist is probably the easiest type to spot. They're extrovert, they're charming, gregarious, larger than life. Uh, They can be super affable, they can seem generous, they can be a lot of fun. Some of them will appear very clever or will take very good care of themselves physically. And they may have a devastating charisma. And when they shine their light on you, they can make you feel like the most important person in the world. They often become high earners and reach really top positions of power. They're quite superior, they can be arrogant and and they're very grandiose. They'll say grandiose things like I'm the best at this or I'm the best at that, that type of thing. That's what they look like on the outside if you don't know them all that well. But in reality, they will, once they've hooked in their partner, start increasing their abusive behaviours towards them. And of course, because they seem so great to others and also probably to you, the victim of this type of narcissist, the exhibitionist narcissist, is often not believed because they seem so great. So just have a think, you know, is this actually outwardly the type of person that your friend or family member is telling you is a narcissist? Now the next type is the devaluing narcissist. Everyone probably knows someone like this, but they've probably mislabeled them as being vile or difficult or whatever. Now these narcissists inflate their own ego by devaluing others. So they 
They demean people, they call them names, they criticise them, they deny or minimise their achievements, or they make up false stories about them so that other people think badly of them. And they do this in order to make themselves feel good about themselves in comparison. So they're always comparing themselves to other people and they come across as pretty toxic. Now, all types of narcissists actually devalue others and put people down behind closed doors, but this type actually does it openly as well. Now, the closet narcissist is the third type of outward presentation, the third type of false persona. Now, this really is the hardest type to spot because if you don't know these people well, they actually come across as nice, uh, perhaps even shy and quiet. Um, And they're very different from the other types because they actually shy away from the limelight. They still need to feel special. You know, I said that they had that addiction to feeling special. They needed to feel special. They still need that. But they need to get that sense of specialness in really covert ways without openly being seen to chase it. So they get their sense of specialness very often by associating with people who they regard as special. And they do that so that they can bask in the reflected glory of that other person. So perhaps if you think of the sort of self-effacing village doctor's wife, you know, who sees herself as the wind beneath his wings. Now, this type plays the victim a great deal in order to covertly get that attention. And they may also actually suffer from genuine depression. Now, depression in covert narcissists or closet narcissists is a result of their having little control over someone else's specialness. Someone else's specialness is actually quite precarious. And given that their own sense of specialness is derived from their partner's perceived specialness, it can really easily be knocked down. It can take decades to work out this type of narcissist. They really are the hardest type to spot. And I mentioned that they were also called covert narcissists. I try to use the word closet narcissist because I do find the word covert narcissist a bit confusing because actually all types of narcissistic abuse is conducted covertly, regardless of the narcissist's outward type. So I like to think of them as closet narcissists rather than covert narcissists. But you may hear that term instead. And finally, we've got the altruistic narcissist. Now, these people derive their sense of specialness and external validation from doing what seems to be, on the surface anyway, altruistic deeds. So they need to be seen as the most charitable or the most caring or the most generous. But unlike true altruists, their motives are not pure and they actually are really good backstabbers. And they're often Uh, highly territorial about their chosen altruistic endeavour. You'll find them in religious groups, uh, charities, uh, on committees, and they're very much the do-gooders. Now in divorce, because of their abnormal brain wiring, narcissists behave in very predictable ways. So a narcissist has a huge sense of entitlement. They want everything to be theirs in the divorce. They want their spouse to leave with nothing. They'll use the children as weapons of abuse with no regard for what's in their best interests. They also financially abuse their spouse. They'll do all manner of things from hiding money and assets to running up their legal bills to taking them to court. And they'll overpay tax to reduce the amount of money in the marital pot. They'll give joint assets away and they'll lie about how much money they earn or they'll say that they can't work uh, through ill health. They'll emotionally abuse their ex as well. They might stalk them, harass them, send them constant messages, blackmail them, threaten them. 
They'll cause huge delays in the divorce process as well because they want the process to be drawn out. They'll go back on agreements. They'll refuse to compromise. They'll try to alienate the children from the other parent. They might try to get the children to live with them, even though that's not in their best interests. They'll do things like remove the other parent's access to, to the family photographs. Very common, that one. And they might try to damage or take things of sentimental value to their spouse, even including the pets. Um, they'll do things like flaunt their new partner in front of their ex and they'll badmouth them to, to their friends, to their family, even to their employer. Now, these are just standard narcissistic tactics in divorce and separation. And the narcissist behaves in this way because they need extra narcissistic supply from their ex at this time in the form of drama and conflict and through instilling fear into them. Now, the ex-partner of the narcissist actually feels as though the narcissist is trying to annihilate them on every possible level, financially, emotionally, even spiritually. This is a very, very difficult place to be indeed. So here's a few things I'd invite you to consider trying when dealing with a family member or a friend who's telling you that they've been the victim of a narcissistic relationship. Firstly, believe them and validate their experiences because the narcissist in their lives will have invalidated their thoughts and feelings probably for years and they do not need more of the same from the people they actually need support from. So please don't tell them during the course of their terribly acrimonious divorce that it takes two to tango or that they are contributing to the drama in some way and they are somehow at fault. You will be wrong here. This isn't just a normal high conflict divorce. It's problematic because of the underlying personality disorder of the narcissist. That's actually the problem here. Now, secondly, don't tell them that there must have been love in the relationship at the beginning. Because in fact, narcissists can't love in the same way as ordinary people. All love is transactional and conditional to a narcissist, including, and I really do mean this, including their love for their children. It is extremely hard for the victim of a narcissistic relationship to grieve the loss of a relationship where they'd loved the other person but had never been loved back. And it's deeply unhelpful to be told that they're wrong about this. No matter how loved up the relationship seemed at the beginning, narcissists love bomb their targets at the beginning of a relationship, which is why to onlookers and even to the victim themselves, it seems like there was love, but in reality there wasn't. So please don't make this mistake. So my third suggestion is don't try suggesting that they try to see it from the narcissist's point of view. Unless you're a narcissist yourself, you actually have no idea what their point of view is. Narcissists do not share the same morals and values and beliefs as you do. So don't assume that they do. They are wired to think differently to you. So accept that. Don't fall for the narcissist smear campaign is another important point. It's absolutely standard for narcissists to badmouth and lie very convincingly about their partner even before the end of the relationship so their partner has no support when the relationship ends. So when they tell you that they're a terrible parent or that they're jealous or money grabbing or an alcoholic or a serial adulterer, whatever it is that they're going to tell you, they're actually more likely to be talking about themselves. That's called projection, by the way, and narcissists do that all the time. So take everything they say to you about their partner with a huge pinch of salt, because the truth to a narcissist is whatever they say it is, at the time that they are saying it. It is not a fixed entity. 
A narcissist are also known for gaslighting, which is another convincing form of lying, which makes the recipient question their own reality. And if you want to know more about that, there's a whole podcast episode about it. So please do have a listen to that. Don't say, well, they've always been nice to me to justify not believing your friend or family member's experience. Of course they were. They wanted to get your attention and adoration, your narcissistic supply. Of course they were nice to you. You know, had you been their partner or child, it would have been a very different story behind closed doors. Also, don't fall for those over-the-top displays of affection for the children whilst in public. Because in fact, narcissists view their children as extensions of themselves. And actually... They can't tolerate imperfections in their children as a result. They need them to be as special and unique as they have to be. But at the same time, behind closed doors, they subject them to the same abusive behaviours as they do their partner, especially as they get older and start asserting their own wants and needs. The reality is this. Narcissists are unable to even recognise, let alone consider the needs of their children. And their parenting is actually extremely damaging for children. So don't fall for the Disney mom or Disney dad act, no matter how convincing it may seem. And on that note, please don't say, but they must love their children. They're their mom or they're their dad. As I've said before, the normal rules of life do not apply here. Don't tell your friend or family member that it will all blow over or that the narcissist will see the light or eventually start behaving reasonably. They won't. They have a personality disorder. It's not just a question of giving them time to calm down. It's the personality disorder that's actually running the show here and their need for narcissistic supply through drama and conflict. Narcissists believe they own their victims for life and even if they were the ones who left the relationship they will still try to continue the abuse using the children and the legal system as weapons of that abuse. And actually our third book coming out soon is about exactly this post-separation narcissistic abuse. I'd also ask that you try to understand that this isn't just a normal breakup and that your loved ones should be over it by now. Because people say that all the time, you should be over it by now. Narcissistic abuse actually causes what is known as trauma bonding. Now, what this effectively is, is a neurochemical addiction to the narcissist. A literal, and I do mean literal, addiction. It's the cycles of abuse in narcissistic abuse which cause this addiction. And it's one of the reasons why it took your loved one so many attempts to leave the relationship and why they might still be vacillating about it. You know, breaking those trauma bonds is much more difficult than just getting out of a normal relationship. The pain is much, much worse. And your loved one might also be suffering from what's known as complex PTSD, complex post-traumatic stress disorder, which will make things even worse. This is not a normal breakup. So please be kind and patient. And finally, I'd ask you to accept that you don't know what you don't know. Nobody can know what they don't know. And if you can, please, please do try to learn about narcissism. You know, there's a wealth of information online and in books and on YouTube. So please do try to support your loved one in this way. It will make all the difference to them, I can promise you. And if you need to contact me, you can find me on thelifedoctor.org. I do hope that this has been helpful for you and also, by extension, for the person in your life that's actually been a victim of narcissistic abuse. 
Thanks for listening. My brand new book, Narcissists in Divorce, From Love Locked to Leaving, is out now. For more information and online courses about narcissism, please do check out my websites, thelifedoctor.org or drsapria.com.